Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Acts 2.42 If I asked you to describe the perfect friend, you may tell me someone who is always there for you, who drops everything and comes to your side, who even has your back when you're in the wrong. If I asked you to describe the perfect child, you may tell me one who honors their father and mother, who shows love and kindness in everything they do and say without coming off showy, humble, and yet filled with courage. And if I asked you to describe the perfect spouse, well, you better say your beloved's name. But if I asked you to describe the perfect church, what would you say? What makes a church perfect? In Acts chapter 2, we are given a picture of a perfect church. They devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. If you walked into that church, you would have seen a people gathering every day in the temple. The wealthier parishioners were selling their possessions and giving the proceeds to all. Not one of them had any need. And they were breaking bread in their homes together, and they were filled with glad and sincere hearts. The church that meets our eyes in Acts chapter 2, freshly minted by the power of the Holy Spirit, is a perfect church, portrayed so beautifully. She is brand new, and oh boy, does she shimmer and shine. She's a beacon of hope, a light to the world around her. We're told that in this church, everyone was enjoying the favor of all the people. You mean to tell me that they were all getting along with one another all the time? And they were going to the church every day? Perfect attendance, seven days in a row, week after week, nothing getting in their way of dropping everything and going to the temple? She does sound perfect, especially when you consider the risk of being a Christian in the early church. Historians say as many as one out of every three Christians in the first two centuries were martyred for their faith, either lit on fire, impaled by Nero, crucified upside down, beheaded, or thrown off cliffs. So many of them would die that those who were still alive would begin calling the death of their beloved brothers and sisters in Christ a, quote, baptism by blood, unquote their own blood. You hear of this quite frequently when reading history about the early church. Many baptisms by blood. It was how the mother would have to describe to her child how the person who was just with them yesterday in worship was put to death. Child, 
We won't see them again until the Lord returns. They were baptized by blood. And yet, despite all of this, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved, which is an amazing wonder, especially when you take into account the 33% death rate, that even with a one in three chance of dying, and not because you failed to wash your hands, but because you used those hands to pray to Jesus, they still found joy in praising the one whose name carried a death sentence. And people were still flocking to the church by the thousands, risking life and limb, baptism by blood for them and their children. Apparently, nothing could stand in their way, not even death. It does make you wonder what the church would look like today if there was a 33% death rate for believing in Jesus, a one in three chance that you would die for publicly confessing Jesus as God and Lord. Would you still raise your children to know him? Would you still bring them to church day by day, knowing that if the authorities would find out, they would almost certainly receive a baptism by blood. See what a great example of faith these perfect Christians in this perfect church in Acts shows to us, and how every single one of us desires to find such perfection in ourselves, such bold faith, and such undying love for the Lord. But dear saints at Trinity, we are no Acts 2 church. We fall so far short. You will find only sinners here at Trinity Lutheran Church. Sinners like yourself who become paralyzed by fear, who fail to trust perfectly in the Lord, who cling to your own possessions while the poor suffer, who miss church, for worldly things, who are not filled with glad and sincere hearts for everyone all the time. Even among our own church family, we quickly are filled with bitterness and anger for others. Let's not kid ourselves. We are no Acts chapter 2 church, nor are you the perfect Acts chapter 2 Christian. But while we fall so far from perfection, Nevertheless, the perfect church does exist, and she is as lovely as you would imagine. But where is she found? What does make a church perfect? What are you supposed to even look for? Some look for the people. Kind, generous, sincere people. A community of a certain stripe, maybe a group of believers who think like you, or who dress like you, or who enjoy the same things that you enjoy, the same music style, the same worship preference, the same sacred space architecture, the same externals. But the perfect group of people, or that perfect community of believers, or even the place where your best friends for decades are present, does not make the church perfect. 
The church is not made perfect by people. Last night for dinner, I asked my children, what makes a church perfect? And I received several interesting answers. But you know, not one of my children said the pastor. I was proud of them, yet, to be honest, maybe a little disappointed. Yet so many look for the pastor to make the church perfect. A pastor who's compelling and captivating and will immediately make you feel welcome. A pastor who knows the Bible deeply and challenges you to grow in your faith. Now, I am no perfect pastor, but if that perfect pastor existed somewhere out there, even then, you have not found the perfect church. The church is not made perfect by her pastor. The church is not made perfect by a people or a pastor, but only by a Savior. Stretched out hands, thorn-pierced brow, nail-driven feet, the good shepherd, Jesus Christ, and where he is found in his word and in his sacraments makes the perfect church through his own death and through his own resurrection. He laid down his perfect spotless life for you. The love of God shines forth from his cross, your beacon of hope, your living hope, crucified for you. And thereby, God has declared you forgiven, washed by the blood of the Lamb. He is the one who leads you beside the still waters, the perfect one who saved you in the waters of your baptism and gave to you his righteousness and perfection, who restores your soul. For as the apostle Peter has written, baptism now saves you. The lamb who was perfect, who was slain, he has begun his reign, and he is the one who makes his church perfect. And he will present you to the Father, radiant, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but as holy and blameless. Perfect. How can this be? Well, in Jesus, you are no different from those perfect Christians in Acts chapter 2. The same blood that washed away their sins has also washed away yours. And the same Christ who filled them with his love also fills you with his love. The same grace, the same mercy, the same Jesus covers us all. And where Jesus is, there you have found the perfect church. Even if the people are all old, or all young, or very few, or quite large, it matters not, only Jesus' word. Even if the pastor is welcoming or cold, a great preacher and teacher, or stodgy and monotone, a Cardinals fan or a Royals fan, it matters not, only Jesus' word taught in accordance with the teaching of the apostles, for they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. When the apostles were thrown in prison, 
well on their way to being killed for their faith. They were told by the authorities to refrain from one thing, and it wasn't to stop gathering around certain people. They didn't care about the people. It wasn't to stop gathering around a particular pastor. They didn't care about the pastors. They told them this, No longer speak to anyone in this name. Acts 4.18 They called the apostles in and commanded them to not speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And there is no other name by which the church is made holy and perfect. For where the name of Jesus is taught and proclaimed for the forgiveness of your sins by God's grace— given freely through faith, then you not only have found the perfect church, but you have been found by the Lord Jesus, your good shepherd himself, the perfect one who loves his sheep even unto death. The lamb who was slain has begun his reign. The apostles proclaimed, you crucified him, but God raised him from the dead. And of that we are all witnesses, for they knew what you and I both know, that no matter what befalls us, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we believe in Jesus and in the apostolic word. We believe in the one holy Catholic, little c, and apostolic church who proclaims the faithful and true doctrine of our Lord. We believe in the Eucharist, the breaking of the bread, the bread from heaven that gives to us the very body and blood of Jesus. For the church is found where Jesus is found. And from Acts chapter 2 all the way to the present day in every century, through famine, pandemics, wars, and many baptisms by blood, no matter the darkness that fills the day, no matter the risk of life or limb, no matter what, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Amen. Alleluia. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. <laughs>